Today we are concluding a sermon series on the parables of Jesus. Now we have not covered all of the parables of Jesus. There are so many that uh, we could keep going for at least half the summer. However, uh, we chose some that I think are both challenging and interesting and inspiring. And so today will be the last uh, parable in this series. If you're interested in going back and uh, finding out more or seeing some of the sermons from this series or from our Lenten series on the last words of Jesus, uh, we do have those on YouTube. If you go back and search for Bluff Park United Methodist Church and look for uh, our playlists, you can find those sermons there. Uh, Next Sunday, we will have worship here at 10 o'clock a.m. for Memorial Day weekend, and Tina Hardy, our lay leader, will be preaching. And then we decided, you know, who do people really want to hear from at this church? Who do you want to hear from, a a preacher that maybe would be welcomed back with open arms later in June? And so we put in a a few phone calls. We had to uh, bribe the bishop a little bit of money for this, Uh, but on Father's Day, Day, June 19th, we have got Reverend Angela Martin coming back to preach. So for one Sunday, uh, so y'all be sure to be here. Uh, Angela was our associate here for five years, and she is just a joy and a blessing, and we're excited to have her coming back. Father's Day, June 19th, be here uh, to welcome back Angela. So... Uh, We are going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16 as the final uh, parable for our study, and it is the parable of the laborers or the workers in the vineyard. It's printed for your convenience in your bulletin. You can follow along in your own Bible or in the pew Bible. I invite you to hear these words from the gospel of Matthew. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyards. When he went out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And at about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired at about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against their landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. And am I not allowed to do what I choose 
with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've been to one of these uh, fancy restaurants where they, they bring out the plate under this sort of curved dome, right, that keeps the heat inside. This curved dome, do you know what that's called? It's called a cloche. I had no idea what a cloche was. You know, they bring out to the table and they put it before you and then they lift off the cloche, right, sort of with flair. And then all those smells and the wonderfulness that's in there sort of, you know, comes out and you're able to really smell what's before you. I didn't know that that was a cloche. I knew what it was. I just thought it was a cover, you know. I'm from the South. If we looked at that, we'd just say, that's a cover. A cloche. A cloche. You know how I found out what a cloche is? Uh, You may have heard of him before. Alton Brown is on the Food Network, or used to be. He had shows like Good Eats and Cutthroat Kitchen. He's sort of an odd and zany man. And he was telling a story once on a podcast on how his daughter invited a lot of uh, her friends to come over for a spend the night party. And she asked her father to cook, but she said, don't make anything weird. Because she knew that he likes to make strange things. She goes, please just make us chicken fingers. So he said, chicken fingers, got it. So when the girls were all standing around in the kitchen, he brought out the plate of chicken fingers under a cloche. Now, did you know that chickens don't have fingers? (laughs) Do you know what he did? He deep fried chicken feet. So when he lifted up that cloche and the girls saw the fried chicken feet there, they screamed. (laughs) And apparently he offered some therapy for those girls and their parents. And then he brought out the actual chicken feet. Why am I even talking about chicken feet and cloches? Well, Stanley said, I have a lot of weird stories, right? No, it's because I recently saw this video on YouTube. It was put out by Oxfam. And they had these children sitting at a table, usually about three children sitting at a table. And each of them had a plate and a cloche on top of it in front of them. And they were told by somebody off camera, whatever is on your plate is for you. And so the kids lifted up the cloche and some of them had two cookies, some of them had none. And you watch these children sort of look at each other, you know, like, I, I am so glad I have two cookies but I kind of feel bad about this person that has none. And you can kind of see it in their eyes. They're thinking about what they should do. And it takes a a few kids no time at all. They start breaking their cookie. And a couple of them, they start taking bites. And then they look over and they start to break off little pieces of their cookie to share. And then there's more, right? You can just see it in their eyes. They, They understand that it's not fair, that they've received more than someone else. And they start giving to one another. They start sharing because there's something baked into us, isn't there, that we think there should be fairness, right? I don't know if it's programmed into us or if our preschool teachers make us focus on that, right? 
and they tell us everybody's got to have some. It all has to be fair. I know of some parents that they keep a meticulous uh, category or an accounting of the money they spend on their kids for Christmas presents so that nobody gets more than the other, right? And they can prove it. And that's usually when somebody gets something a little bit extra that doesn't make any sense, right? Fairness, equity, that's something that seems to matter in our society. I don't know if it's because we're a a democracy where everyone should have equal rights, right? That maybe that's part of why we think this way. Equalness, equity, everybody should have the same. Think about the passage that we just read this morning. Not everybody got the same treatment, did they? Think about the point of view from the different people. There are the people that were recruited early in the morning. They were out in the marketplace waiting for somebody to come and hire them to work in a field or a vineyard. And these people were hired early in the day and they were brought to the vineyard. And at the end of the passage, you hear them say, we have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. What does that mean? It means that they worked all day long and they were out in the scorching heat. They were the ones who really suffered for the sake of the work, right? They were the ones that felt like it wasn't fair that the people who worked a couple of hours or even less than an hour probably, they were mad because they were not treated fairly. The people that worked a little bit got the exact same payment, the exact same payment. They were furious, right? It says they were grumbling in the passage. I think I would be doing a little bit more than grumbling if I was in their shoes. They're upset, right? They're mad. And we can kind of identify with them, can't we? Because we think, first reading, that it's not fair that they worked so hard and they were paid the exact same amount as somebody who showed up and worked just an hour or so. Do you know what they say to the landowner? They say to the landowner, not, that's not fair. You know what they say? You have made them equal to us, right? In their envy, in their anger, they're not just mad at the landowner. They sort of take it out on the other workers too, don't they? You've made, we're better than them. You've made them equal to us. How dare you, sir? Not only do they lose perspective on what has really happened, but they end up blaming everyone around them. Think about the late workers. Those who were recruited later in the day, they get the same pay. Can you imagine being one of those people? It kind of feels like you won the lottery, right? I showed up, I just did a couple hours of work, and I got a full day's wage. I'm going to work for that guy again, right? They feel maybe grateful, thankful. They feel maybe that they have really, really been the recipients of generosity, even though they've only worked for a few hours. You know, when you're in their position, they did not do anything wrong, did they? They were out of work. They were sitting there at the end of the day 
with no hope of getting anything. I mean, can you imagine if you were in their position, how many of you would have by two o'clock probably said, it's no use, I'm just gonna go home, right? But for some reason, they stayed until five o'clock in the very end of the day, just hoping somebody would show up to hire them, and somebody did. They didn't give up and walk away, and here they are receiving such a wonderful surprise. They didn't ask for it. They didn't negotiate with the landowner. He said, come on out, and I will pay you a day's wage. They didn't ask for it. They didn't ask for a benefit. They were the recipients of generosity. Several years ago, uh, my wife, Julie, was uh, about 29 years old and was appointed to be the senior pastor of a church. And most people were very happy and said, hey, great job. But there were a few uh, fellow clergy women who were a little older that kind of treated her a little bad uh, because she was so young and got this great appointment. And it was almost as though, you know, she was the late worker to the party. She didn't ask for that appointment. She didn't, you know, it just happened. And other people treated her a little bit differently. Now, it was just a few, but still. Sometimes we do that to one another, don't we? We feel like somebody else got preferential treatment or somebody else got the benefit that was due to us. Even if they didn't ask for it, even if they didn't work to kind of underminingly get it. We still sometimes put this sort of uh, bad image upon them and sort of make them the enemy instead of just admitting that sometimes the timing is right for some people. The workers that came early in the morning sort of get this grumbling, this is not fair approach to things. And the people who come late in the day almost have this air of thanksgiving, like, wow, right? And everybody gets paid the same. Everybody gets paid the exact same. So let's look at the landowner. Because remember, this passage is really about the landowner. And we know that because of what happens at the very end. The landowner is the one that gets to have the most say, right? He's the one that gets to explain things in the passage. That's how we know this parable is really about him and the way he treats his workers. Those who were recruited late in the day get the same pay. And it's his decision. He does not do this to create some sort of a stir. He just is generous. I mean, think about what he's doing. This landowner is micromanaging. He should have other people go out to recruit workers, but he doesn't. He just keeps going out again and again. You think he probably has enough workers for the day, but he just kind of says, I wonder if there's still somebody who needs work. He just keeps going out. Almost like his main job is not to get the harvest done, but to get somebody employed right? His, his initiative seems to be about blessing workers who don't have any work. He goes out again and again and again looking for more and more people. Remember that this is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. At the very beginning, that's what Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. 
And what it seems to say to us is that the kingdom of God has no hierarchy to it. Some of us got into the kingdom of heaven a little early. We've worked and toiled in the church for 50 years or more. Somebody else just got here last year. They were baptized, and now they're equal to the person who's been working for 50 years. That's church. That's the kingdom of heaven. There's no hierarchy to it. There's no top. There's no elite in the church. We're all on the same level. We're all disciples of Jesus Christ. Some may be more mature than others because they've been at it a little bit longer, but there's no hierarchy. There is no top to it. Why does Jesus even tell this parable about the kingdom of heaven and how everybody is on an equal playing field? Why is this even presented by Jesus? Because I would imagine that Jesus doesn't just go around telling parables for no reason, right? Right before this, in the Gospel of Matthew in the 19th chapter, a rich young man walks up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to know the secret to eternal life. How do I get eternal life? And they have a conversation about what he can do. But he really just has done a lot of it. Like he's, he's somebody that's taken his faith seriously. He's loved people. He's shared. He's done all these great things. And he says, well, what else can I do? And Jesus tells this rich young man, okay, all right, you're ready for the big leagues. Sell everything. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. Do you know what this rich young ruler does? He walks away, sad because he has many possessions. He walks away. He doesn't know how to handle this. We don't know if that's his last interaction with his faith, but he leaves because he was tied to his possessions. Then Peter, oh, Peter, Peter speaks up and he says, hey, Jesus, you know that guy? He can't do it. He can't give up everything and leave, but we did. We left our, our fishing. You know, we left our dads uh, over there at the Sea of Galilee. We did that, so what do we get? Do you know? Peter says, what do we get? Because we actually left everything and followed you. And you know what Jesus' response to him was? The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And then he tells this parable. So this parable is really about the rich young man and Peter. Peter is the guy who's been there since nine in the morning. And the rich young ruler could have been the guy that just got there, right? He could have been the lake worker, but he left. And Peter, if that guy was treated as an equal, probably would have been upset, wouldn't he? He would be really upset. This is a passage about Peter asking what he gets, what special treatment, what role in the kingdom of God does he get because he left everything and followed Jesus early. And what Jesus is saying is, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. You know, I've always thought about that in terms of the priority of people. You know, if you're, if you're a leader, you should let the last person go first, right? I've always thought about it that way, that like, if you're the senior pastor, you should park at the opposite end of the parking lot and let everybody else park closer. 
you should go through the food line last, right? And you should let somebody else go first. That's what I've always thought about, that this last shall be first, the first shall be last is all about if you are higher up in the food chain, you should let somebody else go first. I'm starting to wonder if that's really the point. If the last shall be first and the first shall be last, who's actually first and who's actually last? Nobody. Everybody's equal. (laughs) Maybe it's not about politeness and letting other people go forward. Maybe it's the fact that everybody's the same. Everybody's in the same boat. It doesn't matter when you arrived. You're all there in line. The other day, I was uh, standing in line at DSW getting some shoes And a lady just walked right in front of all of us, right past me, and just walked up to the cash register. And there were about 10 people in line, and some people were not having it. She just walked to the front of the, you know, like out loud. And I'm a pastor, I'm sitting there just going, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. (laughs) You know? So I was trying to play it both ways. I would, I would sort of look over and say, I don't know, I, can you believe this? But then I would just, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. The kingdom of heaven is a very strange thing, isn't it? Because for all of us, it's not about where we get in the pecking order of God's family. It's all about making sure that more people are part of God's family. It's about expanding the family and not about figuring out where we fit into it. The more that we expand the family, the more last people become first people. The more that we restrict people from the family, the more that first people become last people. The kingdom of God is like that. The landowner goes out all day long, even at the end of the day, looking to employ as many people as possible to bless them with a day's wage. A day's wage is a denarius. The landowner isn't running a good business, is he? He's not even trying to do the right thing. The right thing may have been to then go back and give the early workers more or to give a little bit less to the people who came late in the day. He's not, trying to, he's not trying to do the right thing. He's not trying to run a good business. He's not even really trying to get a lot out of the vineyard, is he? He's really just trying to find any reason he can to give a denarius to someone. He's finding any reason he can to give to people. And this is the God we serve. He wants us to be like that, to go out and be envious. Not, to not be envious. <laughs> to not be envious, but to be generous. He wants us to be like him. In the passage, the landowner is, is talking uh, to the people who worked early in the day. And, and first of all, he says, in a sense, mind your business, this is my land, it's my vineyard, I can do what I want, right? But then he says something else, are you envious because I'm generous? 
Are you envious because I'm generous? Did you know that that's not exactly what it says in biblical Greek? In biblical Greek, it literally says, is your eye evil because I am generous? Is your eye evil because I am good? Is your eye evil because I am good? An evil eye, an evil eye. Jesus says earlier in the gospel that your eye is sort of like the gateway into your heart. And if you have an evil eye, you're envious. In the Proverbs, in Proverbs, if you have a good eye, then you will give to the poor. Do you see the difference? If you have a good eye, you will look out at the needs of others and you will give. If you have a bad eye, you will look out at how things aren't fair and you're envious and you want more for yourself. So this is actually a good translation of what it means, but the literal translation is evil eye and good. If I have an evil eye, I'm looking at how unfair things are. For me. If I have a good eye, I'm looking at how can I make a difference for someone else. Now, obviously, we've got to be careful with this analogy because there are times in which things are not fair for other people and something should be done, right? We're not talking about looking out and seeing injustice and feeling like it's unfair. We're talking about envy. We're talking about pride. We're talking about jealousy. When you think about that, and you think about a good eye and an evil eye, you think about how the king, the landowner, others see things. If they have a good eye, then this story makes sense. The landowner, if he has a good eye, goes out in the morning and sees people looking for work, and he says, well, I'm going to recruit some people to work for me. Then he goes out again with that good eye, and he sees more people waiting, and he says, well, okay, come and work for me. And then he goes out again and again, and each time he looks out with those good eyes and sees people in need and says, come work for me. It makes sense when you think about it that way, doesn't it? That his, his, his action is all about generosity, not about making sure that everyone has an equal payment. So think about how you would feel. What kind of eye would you have if you were one of those three children at the table and a plate with a cloche on it was put in front of you and you lifted it up and there was nothing? What kind of eye would you have? What kind of eye would you have? In a separate Oxfam video, those three kids are sitting there. In fact, they have several groups of three kids. That same group of three kids was sitting there and they put out a fourth plate with a cloche. This is the part two of the video. And the note that the kids have to read about that fourth plate said something like this. This plate is for a child who's never eaten a cookie before. And they lift up the cloche and that plate is empty. Do you know what those kids do? You know what they do. 
You know what they do. They take pieces of their own cookie and put it on there. And then one kid with this good eye, this real good eye, takes that entire cookie they haven't even tasted yet and puts it on the plate for that child who's never had a cookie. And Jesus might say something like this. The kingdom of heaven is just like that. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. And I hope that you found this message to be meaningful and life-giving. I look forward to you joining us next time, either on our live stream on Sunday mornings here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. It's at 10 o'clock a.m. Or if you want to join us in person, you're welcome to do so. Also here at 10 a.m., on Sunday mornings. You can find out more about our church family, who we are, what we do, and how to get involved, as well as more information about our worship services at www.bluffparkumc.org. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.